Well, good morning and happy Tuesday. It is July 12th and you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. Happy to be with you this morning. Let us begin our morning together as we always do in prayer by praying together our morning offering. And we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it's very good. It's it's good every day to be with you. I mean, I know I say that every day, but I mean it every day. It's always a joy to be with you, and I'm excited to be back on this five-day-a-week rotation. It's It's been a while, and uh, it's just good it's just good. Yesterday, we were talking about the Blessed Mother. We were talking about Mary, and I was making a comment towards the end of the show about uh, Bishop in Nigeria, Boko Haram, and a sword, right? And I didn't have all of the details pulled up in front of me, and I wish I would have. So I will tell you first off that this story was first relayed to me by Father Donald Calloway from the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. But what I, I want to give you the specifics of it because I want to illustrate the uh, power of this. In April 2014, Boko Haram kidnapped more than 200 young girls from a school in Nigeria, Africa. Uh, now, in December 2014, our Lord appeared to a Catholic bishop in Nigeria and instructed him that the rosary was the weapon that would overcome Boko Haram. And uh, Bishop Oliver Dashe Dome of the Diocese of Maiduguri, Nigeria, claims that one evening, while he was praying his rosary, Jesus appeared to him holding a sword. During the vision, Jesus extended the sword toward the bishop. When the bishop went to take the sword from Jesus, it miraculously transformed into a rosary. And once the bishop had the rosary sword in his hands, Jesus looked at him and said three times, Boko Haram is gone, Boko Haram is gone, Boko Haram is gone. So what does the bishop do? Well, he promotes a rosary crusade in his diocese. And in October, on October 13th, 2016, um, dozens of the kidnapped girls were suddenly released from captivity. In May 2017, another 83 girls were released. And then on July 3rd, 2017, 700 members of Boko Haram surrendered their weapons and turned themselves in to Nigerian authorities. Now, here's the crazy thing about this. You say, Adam, well, how do we know? You know, how does Father Calloway know? Well, I'll tell you what. If you go online and you search this, you search Nigeria, Bishop Oliver Dashe, D-A-S-H-E, Dome, D-O-E-M-E, and then Nigeria, and you type rosary, you can see interviews with the bishop himself. So you don't even have to take my word for it. You don't even have to take Father Calloway's word for it. You can hear it straight from the bishop. Yesterday we were talking about the importance of the rosary, and I said, why? Well, because it's very important, and we can never talk about it too much. 
one thing that I would like to say today, because I ended the show yesterday with that analogy of, you know, the, all those things your mother used to ask you to do when you were a kid, eat your fruits and vegetables, clean your room, do your homework. Oh, mom, why do I have to do that? And she knew it was good for you, right? Well, it's, it's so much more than that. I mean, yes, that is a part of why the Blessed Mother asks us to pray the rosary. But it shouldn't be about because she knows it's good for us, which she does. We should do it because she asks us to do it. She tells us it is imperative. And we're going to hear about that again today when we talk with Doug Berry. We talked about Fatima yesterday. Today we're going to be talking about Our Lady of All Nations. Uh, It's not optional. If you want to do what Mary says, then you pray your rosary every day. You strive to pray that rosary every day with the intention of being successful, with the intention of praying it every day. I remember back when I was an eighth grader going into high school, and we had our freshman welcome mass, and the outgoing president of the school had mass, and he was preaching his homily, and it was right when all of the Star Wars movies were re-released on VHS. For those of you young people listening, before Blu-ray, before DVDs, we had these tape things called VHS. Now, you know what I'm talking about. And we had to put them in a VCR. You had to rewind them. You couldn't just skip to the chapter or drag the slider to a certain point. You had to rewind, and you had to know where you were going. Anyway, with the re-release of the Star Wars movies, Father chose to preach that night on a quote that he knew would resonate with all of us. Do or do not, there is no try. And I mean, in the end, isn't that really this whole life of trying to get to heaven? Do or do not, there is no try. We either get to heaven or we don't, right? There's no, oh, you tried, you gave it a good effort, but you died in a state of mortal sin, but because you tried, come on in. No. As, as we talked about yesterday, you have to die with sanctifying grace in your soul. And the only way you can get sanctifying grace in your soul is from God, who, by the way, freely offers it to each and every one of us as long as we choose it over the vanities of this world. Oh, I'd like this impure, lustful relationship. So, Lord, thanks, but no thanks sanctifying grace out of my heart so that I can have room for this sin in my heart, right? Do or do not, there is no try. And I think with our daily rosary, I mean, we pretty much fall into that camp too. Do or do not, there is no try. Now, if you're you're working hard to get there and you are stumbling, I'm not saying that to be like, oh, you're, you're a terrible Christian. You're terrible at praying the rosary. I think we all have had our moments where we struggle with it. My hope is that you're encouraged listening to this. And you say, all right, Adam, after everything you guys have talked about this week, I'm ready to pray the rosary. We're going to be talking with Mary Jane Guilfoyle today about another prayer you can pray with your rosary, and that's the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. Uh, We're also going to talk with Father Jeffrey Kirby this morning about July being the month devoted to the precious blood. And as I mentioned, Doug Berry is going to be with us again to talk about Our Lady of All Nations as we go through the Marian apparitions of the last century with Doug this week. We're going to go now to Mike Roberts for a check of the weather in our Saint of the Day. When we come back, Mary Jane Guilfoyle will be joining us. Today is the feast day of Saints John Jones and John Wall, who were martyrs in England. 
Born in Wales in the 15th century, John Jones came from a family that refused to participate in the Protestant Reformation, practicing their faith in spite of the clear dangers of doing so during the reign of Queen Elizabeth. As a boy, he entered the Franciscan monastery in Greenwich, but not long after it was closed. So he was sent to France to finish his studies, and it was there he became a priest. Then, Father John Jones returned to England to lead his fellow Catholics and twice was arrested for administering the sacraments, but he refused to quit. In 1596, he was arrested a third time, this time condemned, and in 1598, he was drawn, quartered, and executed for being a Catholic priest in England. John Wall was born two years after that. He was educated in France and became a priest in 1645. Then he returned to England where he served for several years. Eventually, John Wall entered the Friars Minor, becoming governor of the Royal Grammar School where he served for a quarter century. However, in 1678, a man named Titus Folkes fabricated a plot about a Catholic conspiracy to murder King Charles II. As a result, Father John Wall was arrested, condemned, and executed for being a Catholic priest in England. Saints John Jones and John Wall, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven. And this morning, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever told a family at a funeral, we'll be praying for you, I'll be praying for you, and then you pray for them that day at the the funeral mass or at the funeral service or at the graveside, and time goes on, and, and you think to yourself, I really need to pray for the repose of that person's soul, and I really need to pray for their family, but you might be at a loss later on on how to pray for that person and and what to say to the Lord and what to ask for. Well, fear not. Today we have a a wonderful guest with us in studio who has a devotional act. She prays for the repose of the souls of the faithful departed and for their families, and she's happy to share it with us on Roadmap to Heaven this morning in hopes that we might take it into our lives as one way we could pray for friends and family members who have gone before us marked with the sign of faith. So I am happy to be joined in studio today uh, by Mary Jane Guilfoyle, although you say your friends all know you as Jane. So it's, it's either way, Mary Jane, Jane, it's good to have you with us this morning. So happy and blessed to be here. So let's go back to the beginning of this. When I was first introduced to you, the, the they always give me these little cliff notes about, oh, you should talk to this person, and, and here's why. And all I remember from that first thing was the note card said, Chaplet of Divine Mercy and Funeral Cards. And we got to talking about how you have this collection of the prayer cards that you've received at various funerals over the years and also from cleaning out your mother's house and, and her cards and sometimes duplicates because of family and whatnot. And this has inspired you to pray for them But then the Chaplet of Divine Mercy comes into this, and that's where I'd like to start, is how did the Chaplet of Divine Mercy come into your prayers for the faithful departed? In 2017, I was at the St. Louis Marian Conference, and the last speaker before the Vigil Mass, in his talk, he gave us some words that Jesus had given to St. Faustina that 
when we say the chaplet, when Jesus is with us in the Eucharist, that he is most generous in what we ask for. So my father-in-law at the time was in hospice care. He had had a major stroke. And after that talk, I went to the vigil mass. And when I received our Lord, I said the chaplet. At the Marian Conference, there's a long line and there's plenty of time to say the chaplet for my father-in-law. The next morning, when I woke up in my hotel room, at 7 a.m., God woke me up to use the restroom, and I began my morning prayers. He made sure I was awake then, and my husband's older brother called me to tell me that my father-in-law, the nursing home he was in, they found him deceased in the morning. So that shook me up that God used me to say the chaplet and ask for the mercy, and that mercy was there at his judgment. Wow. So, you know, just just to recap here, you're at the Marian Conference the night before your father-in-law passes away. You hear it said that praying the chaplet of divine mercy after receiving our Lord in Holy Communion merits very special graces. And so you decide to offer the chaplet after receiving our Lord in Holy Communion at Mass later that evening. You offer that chaplet for your father-in-law, who ends up passing away at some point in the night. We don't know when. But the timing of this is very providential, that you're offering this prayer and asking for those graces for your father-in-law. And I love what you said there about the moment of his judgment, because I think sometimes we forget about that part, that when we die, we are going to stand in judgment, first in a private judgment, and then later at the end of all time in, in a, the general judgment of all people. And... I like to think that my friends and my family would be praying for me at that moment that I go to my particular judgment on the day of my death. But you didn't stop there in your prayers now. So let, let's go forward now and talk about these holy cards. This, this gives you an idea then. Then I had a whole collection of these holy cards. And so the Holy Spirit helped me. I thought, you know, people organize their baseball cards, people, how to organize these cards. Well, then the simple idea was to put them in a quart-sized Ziploc bag. And so I have them ordered in there by date that God took them from this world. And I say the rosary every day, and I do the Divine Mercy Chaplet every day too. But doing it at Mass, I coordinate, depending on when I'm going to be at Mass that way, doing the chaplet with our Lord inside me in that way with who's coming up. So basically, you, you go to morning Mass, and you have your holy cards with you, and then on today's date, you have three names of three people who died today. You pray the chaplet after Mass in that period. You know, I think we say it's about 15 minutes that our Lord remains present in our bodies before the form of the host, the sacred host, breaks down in our stomachs. So as our Lord instructed St. Faustina, that there's a special grace in this very specific period of time, you are offering your chaplet for whoever may have passed on this day, whether it was this year, last year, two years ago, et cetera, et cetera, by the day. And that's how you do this. Yes. All right. So now, of course, the question becomes, do you know someone who's died every day of the year? Or what do you do on the days when you might not have a, a prayer card for that day? Well, some days, I have one day in the year, and I don't remember what date it is, where there are five cards. And so when I go to Mass, I offer for who's ever in my bag. God knows who they are. 
And I do pray for their family trees as well. God knows who they are, too. That's wonderful. So every day you pray for whoever's anniversary is that day and for everyone in, in your bag, everyone that you've promised to pray for. And then if you don't have someone in particular, then everyone benefits from the prayers. Now, one of the beautiful things of our Catholic faith is, you know, if we were just thinking about this in the eyes of the world, we would say, well, what good is it to, to pray for someone who died 10 years ago? I mean, they've died. This is past. And, but the Catholic view on this is, well, it's very good to pray for them. Why is that? Because God is outside of time. You know, our, our God is outside of time, and so everything is now to him. It's hard in our human minds to understand that, but all of this, no matter when it was, is now for him. And so these prayers can be efficacious at their judgments because God knew in his almighty power and might and knowledge that I was going to be saying those prayers, you know, at this time in history. Now, when we were speaking before we went on air here, one of the beautiful things you were telling me about reminded me of a good friend of mine, Joe Ferris, who every now and then I get a text message from him out of the blue. I prayed for you today during my holy hour. And that's another component of this is you're not just praying for the repose of the souls of the deceased whose holy cards you have and not just praying for their families, but you often reach out to them as well to let them know. Yes. When COVID was in its heyday, I'm originally from Cincinnati, and my cousins there, I called them and gave my message that that it's, you're this many, I do the math on the card, you're this many years closer to seeing your mom or dad again. Today, I said the Divine Mercy Chaplet, the rosary, offered my sacrifices, I went to mass and offered that for, for your family trees, and how are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and so, otherwise... The, most commonly now, it's it's a text message, and with I'm remembering your family trees in my prayers today, and this is um, what I do. Well, I think that's beautiful because I now not to underscore the importance of having masses said for those who have died, and what a beautiful thing it is to ask Father to offer His intention for the mass for a friend or a loved one who has gone before us. But then this also gives us something concrete we can do. In addition to that, and something very tangible, because you have those cards with you as you pray, and something that we can know. I mean, just like praying the rosary, it's not just an interior thing. And and again, the interior thing is very powerful. The intention of our prayer is very powerful. But Jane's giving us this wonderful concrete action we can do, because we're all about the practical things here on Roadmap to Heaven. So I love this. For our listeners who are inspired... You know, they don't need a formal program to do this. They just need the dates and to mark it on their calendar or bring them with them to Mass. Exactly. I just have a quart-sized Ziploc bag. I changed it this morning because my other one was falling apart. <laughs> and, you know, I'll stick them in the front of my Magnificat, my prayer book I take to church with me, or I just look at them and I remember the dates on them, you know, I don't necessarily remember, but, you know, when I send the messages to the people, I, I make sure I, I note that. Well, if I'm being honest, I'll tell you, I don't usually know the saint of the day every day of the year, but luckily Mike Roberts tells me <laughs> right. who the saint of the day is at the beginning of the show here. So if, right. if I don't remember, Mike's going to clue me in. Mm -hmm. And if you don't remember who's 
holy cards you're praying for today, the date's printed right there on them, so you can just cycle through the dates. I would say, too, another suggestion. I, I have to put all of my kids' baptism dates in my calendar mm-hmm, on my phone mm-hmm, to remind mm-hmm. me of their baptism anniversary mm-hmm. because I always forget to go back to the book and say, now I know it's around this time. So <laughs> right. you, could, you could put these in your phone as you get them on this date and, and just put a little reminder, repeat annually, pray for the repose of... And then the person's name, and, right. and your phone might remind you as you're driving to mass to say, "This morning, pray, pray for this yes, person." That, that's a good idea. I know when I've traveled, I'll look ahead and I'll do that so that I know. Rather than you know put this in my suitcase, I'll make a note in my phone on this day to pray for them, and I'll also you know put the put the date on there so so I know when I send the message that I get that right. (laughs) Yeah, well, this has been wonderful, Mary Jane. I really, I like this idea. I love concrete ideas, and I think this is a great way to pray for our friends and family members who have died and to pray for their families. And again, uh, you know, keep having those masses said for them, friends, and take this concrete action as a way that you can pray every day of the year. And what a great grace it is to do that. So, Mary Jane Guilfoyle, I want to thank you for being with us this morning. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We're going to take a break. Stay tuned. Do you ever get a song stuck in your head? Well, right now I've got one stuck in my head. It's a James Taylor song that says, I'm going to Carolina in my mind. And since I'm not actually able to go to Carolina, I thought we'd uh, call South Carolina and talk with Father Jeffrey Kirby this morning. Father Kirby, it's good to have you with us on Roadmap to Heaven today. Thank you, Adam. It's good to be back. Well, you know, this month, every month has a designation, and it, I think we often think of the big ones. We think of May being the month of the Blessed Mother, October being the month of the Rosary. We just concluded June, the month of the Sacred Heart, and actually every month has a devotion, and this month of July is no different. We are devoting ourselves to the precious blood of our Lord, and we wanted to talk about that, Father Kirby. So I think I'd just like to ask where would you like to begin as we focus on July being the month devoted to the precious blood? Adam, I, I as you summarize just the month, I, I'm just also, uh, every time I just look at the different devotions in the Church and I, and I see our beautiful customs and traditions, I just love being Catholic. <laughs> no one should be bored as Catholic. The Church has so many resources for us, so many opportunities to really just dive into our faith. So. Just these month designations, as you've described, I think are, are beautiful reminders to us of central parts of our faith. So in terms of the precious blood for the month of July, I'd just like to you know, dive right into the reality that it is by that blood that we are saved. So throughout the Scriptures, you know, especially in the Old Testament, God is very clear. Blood means life. So the sacrifices that were offered, the blood would be sprinkled upon the Ark of the Covenant on the Day of Atonement, because blood meant life. And that the Messiah, the long-awaited Savior, when he came and, and turned up to God himself, who would be the Messiah, that when he came to us, he chose to redeem us through the path of suffering and by the outpouring of his blood, because blood means life. And, and just as we hear that, I, I just really want to just kind of emphasize that so it really gets to each of our hearts. Blood means life, and by his precious blood, by the Lord's precious, precious blood, uh, we have received the abundance of life here in this life, in this earth, but the eternal life that waits for us in heaven. So so maybe just to get that simple expression in our minds and hearts, blood means life. I think back to a time in the early 90s where a very close family member of mine had a very sudden 
medical, it wasn't an injury, but medical condition developed. And as part of it, they lost a lot of blood. And there was a lot of concern that even if they did a transfusion, would that person survive? And it's a, it's a very grim thing to think of. But you're absolutely right that blood means life. And it's uh, always humbling to me to think that it's not my blood that I need more than anything in the world, but it's the precious blood of our Lord that he shed on the cross, because without that, you know, what good is mine? And oftentimes, you know, in the celebration of the Eucharist, uh, as, as a priest, as, as I'm holding the chalice and, and, and the words of consecration are spoken, and, and the Holy Spirit uh, transubstantiates wine into the precious blood, you know, oftentimes just very moved by the idea that just one drop of this precious blood, one simple drop, is a whole redemption of humanity. <laughs> that it, it took just, could have been just one drop of blood. Of course, we know that the Lord said more than simply one drop, but one drop of this precious blood brought redemption to the whole of humanity, brought life to the whole of humanity, and, and just by that. And, and you know, during this month of July, like the Church invites us to reflect upon that in our own discipleship. July is always great because for many people, it's, it's maybe a slower pace or there are opportunities to, to take that little pause, you know, and, and to reflect upon these things that. As we're talking, Adam, like for each disciple to ask himself or herself, like, what does it mean that I have received life, eternal life, from the precious blood of my Lord? And what does it mean that I get to participate in the representation of that sacrifice, that pouring out of the blood, the breaking of the body, that I get to be a part of at every Eucharistic celebration? And to really let that kind of come home, and then, of course, the immediate question is, what are we doing with that life, right? <laughs> That if we received that abundance of life from the precious blood, we, we had the promise of eternal life in the precious blood. Uh, what are we doing with that, that inheritance? And of course, we know that as the Lord poured out His body and His blood in service to others, like we are called to do the same. I have to tell you, Adam, as we talk about the, the precious blood, I want to make sure I just at least mention the litany of the precious blood. And if people are familiar with that litany, they can find it in any popular devotional or even online. But the Litany of the Precious Blood, it's beautiful, it's powerful. It's an opportunity this month. It provides the opportunity to, to pray that. And I'll say this, that years ago I was, went to the uh, exorcist training program in Rome, and multiple times exorcists, almost to the one, said that there's no greater prayer in terms of the baptized praying for deliverance from bad spirits than the Litany of the Precious Blood. So that's a prayer that is particularly connected to the month of July. Of course, we can pray at any time and, and probably should be praying it more often, but the month of July really provides that opportunity to, in our own discipleship, to reflect upon blood means life. What does it mean to me that the blood, the precious blood of my God, my Savior, has been poured out for me? You know, Father, as you say that, I actually have the litany of the precious blood pulled up here at my desk because uh, I've been praying it this month of July. And I love the invocations in this when you talk about the power. I mean, for example, one that always sticks out at me is blood of Christ, without which there is no forgiveness. And right above that, immediately preceding that, blood of Christ, price of our salvation. And I'm so glad that you brought the litany up because... I want to go back with you to May 6th. I was doing a 5K with my wife, and as our listeners know, I'm not a runner. I'm a walker. I walk my 5Ks. But it was a rainy evening. We were on a gravel path. It was absolutely miserable. And the entire time we are walking this 3.1 miles, I am just muttering to myself, 
Keep going, one foot in front of the other. Keep going, you can do this. Keep going, one foot in front of the other. Why? Because I needed to reinforce in my mind that I needed to keep putting one foot in front of the other, that I was able to put one foot in front of the other and not to stop. And I think in a similar way, you know, not only are we giving God the praise due his name when we pray a litany, especially this litany of the precious blood, but then the litany has a way through that repetition of instructing us and reminding us what this is all about, that this is much deeper than what Adam Wright may think or what Father Jeffrey Kirby may think, but this is really rooted in this great gift of salvation that is the Paschal Mystery, that is our Lord's sacrifice of himself on the cross. Amen. What you just said, if I could put like eight exclamation points <laughs> after each one of those, because you know what we're describing and what you're giving this testimony to is, is really the transformative power of prayer and ultimately of God's grace. Yeah, I love that the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, we live as we pray. And it's precisely because when we pray, it changes us, it, it, it motivates us, it keeps us focused, it inspires us, it gives us strength. And by that life of prayer, the grace of God is able to work within us. And, and when we are weak, God's grace makes us strong. And, and, and there is that power. And sometimes we turn to particular devotions. Litanies are particularly powerful because of that repetition. Also novenas, or special prayers to saints, and to titles of our Lord or to Our Lady. Uh, and of course, they were this month we're highlighting other precious blood, because they do, they transform our way of thinking, they transform our way of acting. They, uh, of course, open up our, our bodies and souls the capacity for grace to work, and that one-liner from the Catechism, uh, you know, we, we live as we pray, and this month we're especially called to turn to the precious blood, and let that praying change the way we live, the way we think. You know, I have to wonder then, and I think it logically follows, that if it is true that we live as we pray, if we don't pray, we don't live. And sadly, Father, I think so many in our culture are like, well, I don't pray, and I'm still alive here. I mean, my heart's beating. I've got blood flowing through my system, and they've, they've lost sight of the supernatural life, of the eternal life, of the fact that one day we our, our physical bodies will die, but our souls will go on, and then we actually believe in the resurrection of the body on the last day. And how we live now, and as you said, and how we pray now is really going to play a large part in what happens next, because we are free to reject this gift. We are free to reject the grace of God. And sadly, so many in our world do. And Father, that's where I want to wrap up on this today. You know, oftentimes when we talk about our first Friday devotion, our first Saturday devotion, we focus on the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart, but we specifically focus on sins against the Sacred Heart of our Lord and the Immaculate Heart of His Blessed Mother. And we focus on acts of reparation. And I wonder... When we think of it in that context, because certainly here in 2022, there are sins, there are blasphemies against the precious blood of our Lord. Aside from praying the litany of the precious blood, which again, fantastic prayer, what are some other things we can do maybe in reparation for those sins against the precious blood? Yes, I think that, of course, out of you and I, and, and I'm sure many listeners can, can provide a whole list of, of offenses to the precious blood. I think the one that stands out in terms of the hearts of many believers, so maybe offenses to the precious blood within the household of faith, is the sin of presumption, that I can commit whatever sin I want because I know God will forgive me. Right? I know that the precious blood will be poured over me. And I think that sin of presumption, 
we have to be so careful of because it really is just such a betrayal of the love God has for us and the blood that has been poured out for us. And so with that in mind, I think that in addition to litany of the precious blood, I would say fervent acts of faith, hope, and love. You know, there are those three beautiful traditional prayers, like an act of faith, act of hope, act of love. And they're beautiful and they're succinct and they can help us. Again, they, you know, we, we live as we pray. And so I think that those three can really help us soften our hearts to greater gratitude and sensitivity to the sacrifice and the awareness of the sacrifice by which that blood has been poured out for our life, for our eternal life. So I would re- recommend the acts of faith, hope, and love, and, and especially you know that act of faith that, that I believe in God, that I you know, I will not betray Him by presuming upon His mercy, offending Him, knowing that He will forgive me. I mean, that's like walking up to a loved one and slapping them in the face because we know that they love us and they'll forgive us. I mean, you know, there's such a deception there in the heart that presumes mercy from another, and certainly as believers to presume that love of God and to commit great sin, or any sin, thinking, well, I know God's going to forgive me. So I would say the acts of faith, hope, and love, in addition to the litany of the precious blood. I think that is a wonderful suggestion for us. And Father, if I could maybe leave us with this, one other great prayer that I would recommend to our listeners to pray Maybe stay in the pew a few minutes after Mass, and as you're doing your prayers, pray the Anima Christi. And there's one line in particular I want to share as we close here. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. And I've spent some time thinking about that, Father, because that's kind of an odd one, because we often talk (laughs) about, you know, don't fall into drunkenness. And yet, why is that? Because when we fall into drunkenness, we pretty much lose control of our faculties. Sadly, I think most adults, we've all been there at some point, and we remember how unpleasant it is. But it's a whole different thing when we're saying, blood of Christ inebriate me, to say, I want to lose control of my faculties so that they are conformed to our Lord's. You know, we're, we're not saying some reckless thing, but to be conformed to our Lord's, that his will would become my will and that he would penetrate my heart. You know, on a molecular level, Father, it's really crazy to think that our Lord, who has humbled himself not just to come to us under the appearance of bread and wine, body, blood, soul, and divinity, truly present in the Holy Eucharist, but he actually gets absorbed into our bloodstream. And so literally we have the precious blood in our blood each time we make a Holy Communion. Father Kirby, thank you for shedding some light on the month's devotion to the precious blood for us today. Could I ask you to close us with a prayer? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you pour the precious blood of your Son upon our bodies and souls, from our head to our feet, all throughout all that we are. May we know of the freedom that comes from this precious blood. May we grow in gratitude and deeper love and appreciation for all that you have done. May you fill our hearts with the fullness of your Spirit, and we ask these and all good things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. We want to thank Father Kirby for being with us this morning. We're going to take a break while we do that. As long as you're not driving here this morning as you listen, I want you to write down three things. Litany of the Precious Blood, Act of Faith, Hope, and Charity, and then write down also the Anima Christi. Get those prayers. And if you missed all of that, if you're driving right now, go back and catch us on the podcast replay of this later, and you'll get all of it again. We are going to take a break. Stay tuned. We are talking with Doug Barry about Marian apparitions of the past 100 years. Yesterday, we spoke about Our Lady of Fatima and the important message of praying your rosary every day. 
Doug, today we're talking about Our Lady of All Nations, which if I'm being honest, I have to say this is an apparition I do not know too much about. Mm. This is an apparition that kind of comes out of left field for people, anybody who's really paid any attention to Marian apparitions. You know, we know about Fatima, we know about Our Lady of Guadalupe, 1531, we hear of Our Lady of La Salette, you know, we hear of these really very prominent ones. Our Lady of Lourdes is a powerful one. But in the last hundred years, there's a consistency to Our Lady's messages. And again, I speak of the church-approved apparitions. I have nothing against some of the others out there that are still being investigated, but obviously the church-approved ones are the ones we are safest to always lean on. And Our Lady of All Nations is something that a lot of people don't know a lot about. It has an interesting connection to another very famous apparition as well. But Our Lady of All Nations took place in starting around 1945, late 40s into the early 50s. And this woman, Ida Perdeman, in Amsterdam, received hundreds of messages from Our Lady and Our Lord. Now, in essence, we're just going to boil it down to one key point here. Well, before I do that, I'll say this. Ida Perdeman was just a very matter-of-fact woman, from what they say. She was not a, an emotional drama queen. She was not someone seeking attention. She didn't have much for social media platform back then. In fact, nobody did. Okay, so this was a time, you're talking 1945-ish, you know, we'd just come out of World War II, and this woman in Amsterdam is just visiting one day with a priest and some others there in the room, and she just goes into this moment. And this is really the beginning of this transformation that starts to take place for her. And the spiritual moment that happens to her, where Our Lady appears to her, culminates in, again, hundreds of apparitions and messages overall. And it amounts to this, that if the world does not respond to a call for conversion, the world will face a cataclysmic event worse than the war you just experienced. Okay, so they just came out of World War II. No one in their right mind could even fathom the idea that there would be another event worse than World War II. This was by far the worst war we had ever experienced in the world. Concentration camps to Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the invention of the jet, uh, jet propulsion, which, you know, fighter jets, all of this was just magnificently, overwhelmingly scary. So to hear this message that a cataclysmic event worse than this. Now, other points came out too. Uh, at one point in vision, she sees a crack in the earth that splits from the Middle East and goes around the entire earth, which years later, many believe is this the rise in terrorism. Just as of recent, we saw what happened in the church on Pentecost in Nigeria. These types of things where 50 or more of our Catholic brothers and sisters lost their lives and the priest was kidnapped. She sees these images back in the late 40s, early 50s that are shown to her, a rise in natural disasters, a rise in different areas of wars where these things would again continue to rise up because it would all be people departing from God's grace. So Ida Perdeman and Our Lady of All Nations, all about warning once again from Our Lady. So as we talk about Fatima last time, we're talking about many years later, she comes again and says to the world once again, if you do not respond to my call, again, pray the rosary, get to confession, be faithful to my son, you will find yourself in even more cataclysmic events. I think of the pop song that says, you can go your own way, and certainly we can, but right. Our Lady is definitely telling us, if you go your own way and not God's way, you're not going to like what happens next. And you know, we can't take these Marian apparitions, it sounds like, on an individual basis. Our Lady of Fatima tells us of the end of World War I, but warns us of World War II. Mm -hmm. We can't imagine anything worse than World War II. And here comes Our Lady of All Nations right. saying, no, it can be worse if you don't convert. So a very serious message yeah. for us today. And Doug, it sounds like, again, that great tool for conversion 
the daily rosary. That's it. It all boils down to that. Again, I got to emphasize, I don't care how you feel. I pray it every day. I don't always feel that ah, moment. We don't always get that. In fact, rarely do we. That doesn't matter. Pray it because it is a powerful spiritual weapon in the hands of Our Lady, and God uses it to fight against evil, and that's something we all need to be engaged in. All right, Doug Barry, thanks for this wonderful conversation on Our Lady of All Nations. I look forward to continuing tomorrow. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. It's a good time to stop on this Tuesday for a daily dose of encouragement. This week, we are learning lessons from spiritual direction. And Patty, I got to tell you, I can't stop thinking about yesterday's. Don't make a mountain out of a molehill or don't make a molehill out of a mountain because that's what we do when we sin either way. Exactly. Those Again, these are just lessons that I've learned from my own spiritual director. They, sometimes these pithy phrases stick. They stick with you and they help give perspective. So today I'm going to talk about another lesson that I had to learn in spiritual direction. And many of us deal with this. We deal with our own pride in our life. And a spiritual director can help point out when you're being prideful. And they do it in a way that is gentle so it doesn't crush you. But the spiritual director does need to point out when Pride is the issue. And so I've had to deal with this a lot in my own life. And my spiritual director has helped me by pointing out a certain biblical story. And I love this story. Whenever I'm in charge of something, whenever I'm working really hard on an event or I've been volunteering, a lot of times I'm in leadership positions, I'm organizing people, I'm doing things, I see things the way that I want them to be done, and if things don't go well, I get bent out of shape and my ego may get hurt, and that's when my spiritual director has to, you know, rein me back in. And here's the story that she has pointed out numerous times to me. It's the story of Joseph from Genesis. And of course, we know the story. He's sold by his brothers into slavery, into Egypt. And because of his ability to interpret dreams, he rises into favor with Pharaoh. He saves the land in Egypt by preparing for seven years of famine. And Joseph was literally put in charge of the whole land of Egypt by Pharaoh. He wore Pharaoh's ring. He dressed in fine clothes. He rode in a chariot. And Pharaoh really told all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph and do what he tells you. So this is all in Genesis chapter 41. And Joseph lived to be 110 years. He was the most famous, most powerful, accomplished man ever in his day in Egypt. All right, here's the part that I want to tell you. Nine chapters later in the book of Exodus, here's what scripture says. Then a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. No one remembered Joseph. Nine chapters later, a couple generations following, a new king came to power who had never even heard of him, didn't know what Joseph had done. And so my spiritual director had to say to me, Patty, there will be a time when no one remembers this event. No one remembers what you've done. No one will remember what you've been, you know, pouring your heart and mind and soul out for. No one is going to remember this. In the scheme of things, what do people remember? Holiness of life, sanctity. In the end, God will know, and he knows all, and he will remember all. But I can't get so caught up in what I'm doing that I think it's the end-all, be-all. So that little scripture story of just, you know, then a new king came to power who did not know about Joseph. It just put me in my place at the time, and I remember that a lot. So I share that in case you have issues with pride, as many of us do. Just remember all the good things that we do. They're wonderful. They're good in and of themselves. But there will be a day that we have to realize that people may not remember all that we are doing and working so hard for. 
Patty, that's the most encouraging way I've ever been told I'm not a big deal. And it's true. And it's true. It's basically her saying, you're not a big deal. Get over yourself. And we all need to hear that lesson sometime. Well, thank you for sharing that lesson with us today. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. And as we wind down today's show, well, I do have a few thoughts for you today. Um, Number one, number one, take some time today to maybe make a list of all the things you want to accomplish. You know, hearing from Mary Jane about how she prays for everyone and she brings her, her bag of cards, holy cards with her to Mass so she knows who to pray for that day. Maybe that's your style. Maybe you would rather put it in your phone. Maybe you need to make a list. Um, you know, I I like to work from lists. I have friends who they make a list and they go through and they cross everything off the list. I use reminders on my phone. Um, and that way, you know, because of the list, I can ignore. I can put it on my desk and I can walk away and and go somewhere else and do some work and it's not following me. But I usually take my phone with me everywhere I go. And if I put it on that reminders app, it keeps showing up on my home screen. And I hate having notification icons on my phone. I just, I detest it. I don't know why. It's something about my personality. And so I have to work to clear them all, whether it's voicemails, text messages, emails, etc. I hate having those notifications on my phone. And so if I put my reminders of what I want to accomplish that day on my phone, makes it much more likely than I will do it. But take some time to stop today. You know, we keep talking about the importance of praying the rosary. Well, that might mean some planning on our parts. In fact, it does mean some planning on our parts. When are we going to pray the rosary today? You know, it's really easy for me in my studio chair here in a Catholic radio station to say to you, pray your rosary every day, knowing full well that today during the course of the workday here, Someone will invite us all to pray the rosary as we do every day. Well, maybe you don't have that where you're at. Maybe you're at home by yourself. Maybe you're a widow, a widower, a bachelor, a bachelorette. Maybe you work in an office where you get a 15-minute break and a lunch break every day. Maybe you work in retail or in a factory or a warehouse or some other job where you might get a quick break here or there. Maybe you drive a truck or a van doing service calls, and you might only have one break to pray that rosary. Well, I'll tell you what, that sacrifice that you're making to pray that rosary in your time, that means a lot. It really does. And don't discount how much the Blessed Mother likely appreciates that you make that sacrifice. And I I would imagine, I would imagine there's a little extra helping of grace when we make sacrifice to pray. Um, But have that, have that planned out today. You know, the rosary, the chaplet, I recommend doing that midday examine. Lord, I'm grateful for this so far today. Lord, I need your grace to turn this part of my day around. A full examination later in the evening, examination of conscience, both the good and the bad. Here's what I got right today. Lord, thank you for that. But most likely for me, the longer list is here's what I didn't get right today. And Lord, I'm sorry for this. And Tomorrow, please help me with the grace to do better. Um, it may be repetitive for me to say this from time to time on the show, but the reason we repeat it is because we need to do it. We have to have that daily di- discipline to follow this roadmap, and most especially the sacraments and the rosary, but a lot in our daily discipline. So 
Let's give thanks to God for this time together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to thank you for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. I want to thank Doug Barry and Father Kirby and Mary Jane Guilfoyle for being with us as well. Tomorrow on the show, we are going to be continuing our conversation with Kristalina Everett about some parenting do's and don'ts this summer. We're also going to hear from Doug Barry about Our Lady of Akita. That's one of my favorite Marian apparitions. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Be sure to check us out on the podcast after the show. Like and share. And until tomorrow... Pray that rosary.